Welcome back, everybody. It is airing it out with Joe Daly, and I am your host, Joe Daly. Listen, this is episode four. We've we've been at this for a handful now, and it's it's been fun. Now, if you're new to the show, let me just tell you, airing it out with Joe Daly is a new pro, pro football podcast tackling the NFL's biggest stories, analysis, debate. We'll talk betting, we'll talk fantasy, and we're going to talk so much more. Guys, it's been so much fun so far. Uh, I'm really enjoying myself. I hope you guys are enjoying listening as well. Again, if you're new, though, what we'll do each week is we're going to just tackle the biggest topics in pro football each week. You know, we're going to uh, do some interviews. Uh, we're going to talk about injury updates. We did that last week with Dr. Strazek. We're actually going to have him on again today uh, for the same thing. There was a rash of injuries that popped up um, this past week in preseason week one. So, We'll have him on. Very excited to talk to him. Great stuff last week, so I'm assuming it'll be great again this week. Uh, big time friend of the show. Listen, we also are going to have people in the fantasy industry got things in the works with that. Uh, you know, because we will touch on some fantasy advice on the show. We're going to have fans on. We're going to do as many things as possible. I'm actually in the works with uh, a pretty big guest that I'm excited about uh, when the season starts. So we're uh, we're looking to. Get this thing rolling. I'm really, uh, really hoping that we can we can be the that one stop kind of NFL podcast that you guys go to to uh, stay, uh, you know, stay up to date on things going on in in your favorite league, the NFL. Now, with that said, we'll be doing all, you know those sort of things. We'll also uh, be talking, like I said a, a little bit earlier, about betting. I think I mentioned that in previous shows. Once the season starts, we'll give our locks. You know our picks of the week and stuff like that. As uh, you know, sports betting is becoming a bigger thing. They're starting to legalize it and stuff in uh, in many states. So we'll talk about that. And then, uh, as I said, we'll we'll even sp- you know put in some fantasy advice as well. So very excited about all that. Now for today's topics, we're gonna start off with our quick hits, which is uh, kind of the quick news notes of the week. Bada bing, bada boom. After we hit that, we're going to get to our big topics, and those are this. One, we're going to be taking a look back at preseason week one. Um, There was so much news, so many important ideas uh, with regards to who's going to be doing what this year uh, that came out of week one. Um, And and just, you know, some controversy even maybe, some quarterback stuff, we'll see, and and all sorts of stuff um, with regards to the look back at week one of the preseason Second segment of the day, we'll have Dr. Edward Strasnick, Dr. Physical Therapy on to talk about those injuries I just brought up that came up in week one and in training camps around the league. Some pretty big news there, and he will give us that injury fallout um, from this past week. And then last but not least, I I may be making an unpopular stance here, but I am going to tell you why the Giants made a big mistake. In drafting Saquon Barkley at number two overall in this year's draft. Now, many of you are going to argue with me on that based on his debut the other day. Had a very, very nice looking run. Can't take that away from the kid. Looked fantastic. And he is he's a great running back. I think he'll, you know, he'll show you that. But I'm going to tell you why they made a huge mistake drafting him at two overall. So that's what we have for today. Again, it's going to be a fun one. So hopefully uh, you stick around and, uh, we all learn a little something today. All right, so with that, let's go on to our quick hits of the day, of the week. Yes. All right, our quick hits of the week. Here we go. Des Bryant tweeting out during the uh, first night of preseason, uh, what was it, Thursday, about 12 games on 
tweeting, getting into it. Fans, uh, you know, kind of back and forth, tweeting that he'd be visiting. He's coming to see the Browns this week. This was something that was rumored, but apparently, I think it was uh, their GM was saying the Browns GM was saying that. You know, Dorsey was saying that uh, Des Bryant wasn't returning phone calls, or or he wasn't answering phone calls, wasn't you know calling back, whatever it was. But there was a lack of communication, a little break in communication between Des and the Browns staff. But but it appears that according to Des Bryant, if we can believe what he's saying on Twitter, he'll be visiting with the Browns this week. So that's that's an interesting thing. I think that's a good fit. And just you know, and we'll talk about the Browns a little bit later during our. Week one uh, look back for preseason. I'm gonna be honest with you. If I'm Des, this might be. I don't know. Maybe not last year, or the year before, or maybe the last ten to twenty years. But this might be something you want to be a part of, Des. So yeah, it looks like he's going to be visiting with the Browns. So that's exciting. He also did say, maybe I'm reading too much into this. It is Twitter, but he said he had visits. There's a plural there, so I'm assuming that means he has more than one visit this week, and maybe he'll be making a decision at the end of the week. Who knows? But that's what it seems like. I guess we'll see if anyone offers and what they offer him uh, contract-wise. He said he wanted a one-year deal to kind of do like a, a, a sort of prove-it deal, but we'll see how that goes. I, You know, it's, it's hard to say at this point, but that's where we're at. That's that. The other thing is this. Someone tweeted at him, you know, you know, the Browns are the only ones that are interested in you, know, in you. And then Dez actually responded, that's not true. Or he said something on the lines that kind of refutes what that fan had said. Now, he, Dez is getting into it with the fans and kind of tweeting with them. And, you know, that's cool. Like That's pretty cool. I don't know. If you're a fan and Dez Bryant's retweeting and all that, that's kind of cool. But anyways, yeah, so his answer there also leads me to believe he's going to be seeing more teams a lot of people, I think the odds on favorites to sign him are the Browns. It does kind of make you wonder about what's going on with Josh Gordon, especially fantasy players out there. I'm sure you're wondering as your drafts are. I'm certain. I'm sure coming down the uh, coming down the pike right now, it's we're getting closer. But uh, I think Josh Gordon will be back, no problem. Um, I really think they are taking all the precaution, precautions they need to make sure he uh, and, and himself, of course, uh, are good to go. Um, you know, just for the season and not doesn't have any sort of like relapse or anything like that. But uh, it does call that into question, this interest in Des Bryant. But I think, I mean, think about it though. Josh Gordon, Des Bryant, Jarvis Landry. Oh, you got the Carlos Hyde and the Nick Chubb kid they just drafted. And then you got either Tyrod Taylor or um, Baker Mayfield, the rookie. Number one pick in the draft. Again, we'll talk about him in a little bit. But Wow. Wow, I mean, this offense could be something special this year. And watch out, and excuse me, AFC North. Ooh, something, something to say. I, you know, it's it'll be it'll be something to see. I should say, you know. Ooh, all right, but yeah, we'll see. Des Bryant, just keep an eye on that this week. Des Bryant visiting the Browns. Something might come out of it. Now, I did say on uh, episode one, I think Des will end up with the Texans. I'm going to stick with that. I mean, I think it's not looking, my prediction is not looking hot right now, but he did say he had visits. So maybe one of them in Houston, who knows, but we'll see. We'll see. But a very interesting Des Bryant visiting the Browns. We'll see what goes on next. Cam Newton. Ooh, Cam Newton, Cam Newton, Cam Newton. Now the Panthers the other day played the bills, the preseason, but before the game, Cam Newton confronted Kelvin Benjamin, his former receiver, who 
you know, was uh, uh, brought on to the uh, Bills. I think it was last year, right? Yeah, last year. You know, so here's what happened. This is what happened in the news that kind of led to this whole scenario. Um, so I guess it was the, the athletics, Tim Graham interviewed him, right? Excuse me, interviewed Kelvin Benjamin. And in that interview, Kelvin Benjamin had told uh, Graham that he wished he had never been drafted by the Panthers. And then, you know, asking for context, I guess, Kelvin Benjamin went on and said this, and I quote, if you would have put me with any other quarterback, let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Any other accurate quarterback like Rodgers or Eli Manning or Big Ben, anybody, quarterbacks with knowledge that know how to place a ball and give you a better chance to catch the ball. It just felt like I wasn't in that position. Now, him and Cam Newton, now I don't know if a lot of you guys know this, him and Cam Newton were like, yeah, they were teammates, you know, buddies, buddies, but they were more than that. Apparently they were friends. This is something I heard recently. They were like actually pretty close friends outside of the game, outside of the locker room, outside of the field. They were supportive of it. You know, Cam Newton was supportive of them. So for this to come out, you know, obviously is something that I'm sure upset um, Cam Newton. So Cam Newton, before the game, he approaches Kelvin Benjamin and doesn't like, you know, not in a violent fashion, like he's going to come beat him up or something, but just went up to him and tried to talk to him. He's obviously pissed off. I can understand that. Listen, if it was if I was in his shoes, I'd be pissed off too. If I was there for a guy, we were friends, this, that, and the other thing, I would be pretty ticked off too, honestly, for sure. But at the end of the day, he went up to him during warm-ups. There's cameras everywhere. There's cameras right on them. They're right there. How do I know that? I saw the footage, as did everyone else on ESPN and all Fox Sports. All that. The internet, you can find it. Go find it. And he reaches out to shake his hand. Kelvin Benjamin wanted no part of that. He wasn't even trying to listen to him, he said. And that was the end of that. Now, a lot of people were saying, hey, listen, I understand where Cam's coming from. You know, if someone's going to say that stuff kind of behind your back, essentially, but to the media, all this stuff, you want to say it privately to somebody else to to my face, sure. So I understand that idea of him wanting to kind of address him. But at the end of the day, He's your quarterback. Carolina can't be. I know this. If I'm his head coach, if I'm you know, if I'm the camp, uh, the Carolina Panthers organization, I'm pissed at him. That's a horrible look for the guy who's supposed to be a leader. And not for nothing, he's talking about your game. Listen, you've proven you're you're a good quarterback. You're not Brady, you know. You're not some of these other guys, you know. But you've proven you can get the job done with your legs. With your arm, you know, again, you're not the best passer in the world, but you can do your thing. You brought your team to the Super Bowl. Right? So, I mean, let your play do the talking. I mean, he's on the Bills. They're not going to do anything. Let your play do the talking. Why be bothered? Be bothered personally. Be bothered privately. But don't bring it to the forefront. Like, what are you trying to prove when you know there's cameras there? You know there's cameras there. So, you just look like a baby. You look like a teenager. And for me, if I if I own an organization, that's my guy. That's my kind of face of the franchise, so to speak. I don't want you doing that. You've already proven enough times that you can be very, very temperamental. I mean, the the Super Bowl um, 
what do you call it, the Super Bowl press conference where you get up and walk away and all these little things you've done, these sort of things you've said with the female reporter at that different press conference. I mean, you've, you've, you've had enough gaffes in front of cameras. I think at this point you should realize, you know what, probably not the best look. I doubt Coach will be happy about this. And not only that, but hey, I'm the leader of this football team. Shouldn't I be setting a good example for everyone beneath me? Or beneath me is probably the wrong word, but like uh, on my team that I'm leading, my followers, whatever you want to say. I don't know. Plus, like Cam Newton, you know, that's not the best role model look either. It's just there's so much about that that I don't like. But it is what it is. And uh, yeah, I I, I assume we're just going to continue to see this sort of behavior. But we'll see. I guess he hasn't learned yet. Now, a couple other things that were insanely interesting this week. Aaron Rodgers. Let me give a big shout-out, big kudos to Aaron Rodgers, a guy who kind of kills my Cowboys playoff dreams a few times in the last handful of years now. But let me give a big kudos to him, big ups to Aaron Rodgers. You know, because he's a big-timer in the league. Obviously, he's one of our stars. But what did he do? He came out and spoke up with regards to this idea of um, the protests, you know, the anthem protests and the, the Trump comments on the NFL and kind of the things he's saying. And he really did a good job of that, I thought. All right, in talking about this idea of like, you know, um, the social media stuff, you know, people coming out and saying these things about why NFL players should be doing this or should be doing that with regards to protesting. In an interview, Aaron Rodgers says the following. He says, yeah, I've gotten a ton of that. On my social media. Roger said. Not really in person though. I wouldn't mind a conversation about that in person. I don't shy away from that stuff. But definitely a lot online. And I don't need to respond to that. I really don't. Because it's giving credence to an opinion. And value to an opinion. That's way off base. Because they missed the whole point of what this was all about. So in that idea. What he's talking about. right, Is that this is not a anti-military, anti-flag, anti-country thing. This is a protest for equal rights because of discrimination in our country. He goes on to say, and I thought this was a good quote, I don't know how many times we can say as a player and as a group how much we love and support and appreciate the troops and the opportunities this country allows us. But this is about equality and something bigger than ourselves and bringing people together in love and connectedness and equality and social justice and putting a light on people who deserve to have the attention for their causes and their difficult situations that they're in. And then it goes on. Fantastic. Thank you. They're so worried about image. But the image is, and we talked about this a little bit uh, you know, on an earlier episode, the image is that you don't care, NFL. And others, people on social media and, you know, the president, stuff like that. He talks about the president, too. We'll get there in a second. But this idea of, hey, let's figure this out. This is an inequality issue, not a flag and troops in this issue. Right? So he said, I don't give credence to that. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, respond to it. Now, with regards to the idea of Trump constantly, constantly you know, tweeting about the NFL and making all these comments and stuff and all these people kind of shooting fire back at him from the NFL. This is what Aaron Rodgers says. He says, I think that the more that we give credence to stuff like that, the more it's going to live on, he said. I think if we can learn to ignore or not respond to stuff like that, 
if we can, it takes away the power of statements like that. And he's talking about the things with Trump and stuff like that. I mean, like, simple as that. I thought that was fantastic. Great move to actually say something. And be not just be one of these uh, guys who's kind of a fringe player, but really be one of the faces of the NFL, like one of the huge stars. Right? So, I mean, let, let's, let's, let's think about it. And it, let's frame this differently the way it's meant to be framed. This shouldn't be an issue. It's not affecting revenue, so NFL needs to shut up about it. Plain and simple. Done. Anyways, a couple other things. There's something else that Rogers has nothing to do with the political end of things, but that's uh, Rogers. Uh, and then you know, I won't get, won't read the quote or anything, but talking about his uh, receivers and with regards to practice and stuff, he's saying that you know he was uh, kind of calling out his receiving group, especially the young guys, saying that there was piss poor effort, as he says, piss poor effort. I think he might be a little salty that he uh, that Jordy Nelson has, is 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 moved on that they moved on from him. Uh, I mean, plus I'm assuming they were giving a piss poor effort, and he was angry at that, which he should be. All right, gotta expect the best, but that's where yeah. So again, uh, Aaron Rodgers very vocal this past week. So nice to see, uh, nice to see you know, and taking a stand in, in both game wise and socially. So very cool. Speaking of Jordy Nelson, doing a great job impressing at Raiders camp. Been kind of uh, very cool to see that. That you know he didn't have a great season, especially without Aaron Rodgers last year being injured for a good chunk of the year. But it looks like his, uh, you know, his age, his veteran um, leadership skills, and just his play on the field is doing a lot of uh, good for the organization. Uh, John Gruen has been uh, very high on him in camp and and really happy with the work he's been putting in. So that's awesome to see that his career is you know sometimes these these guys fizzle out but it looks like he's uh he's he's doing well uh martavis bryant on the other hand john gruen actually came out and said that he just needs to play better and uh i guess there were issues with him picking up the playbook and stuff like that um now he went out i guess the after john gruen came out and said that to the media uh it seems like i've i've heard martavis bryant performed a little bit better, he improved, and maybe that's just the fire that uh, John Gruden, being a, an excellent coach, was trying to set underneath him. But, I mean, think about it. I mean, Martavis Bryant, the receiver's there. Amari Cooper, Martavis Bryant, Jordy Nelson, who's that, like, reliable veteran. They could do some damage. You know, and they do have Lynch still. Let's see if he can still uh, kind of revive what he's got going on. But that could be a scary offense. We'll see. I think uh, I think Derek Carr is going, cert- going to certainly... Uh, benefit from having John Gruden, who's kind of a QB guy, um, with him. So that'll be cool. Now, the other thing I thought was fantastic and interesting uh, to to think about, and especially as a Cowboys fan, was this idea of you know everyone's been worried about the Cowboys and what's going on with their receiving core. Well, here it is. This is an interview uh, with Michael Irvin and Kurt Warner that Dak Prescott did with the NFL Network, and he said the following, in in, in reference to the. Uh, all the kind of the big talk on the wide receiver group and kind of who they asked, like essentially who is his go-to guy? Who's his, you know, for the, for the Cowboys for the past handful of years, that's been Des Bryant, Jason Wynn, but they're both gone in the passing game. So they said, you know, who, who's your go-to guy and Dak Prescott. And I quote, he said, for me, it's Cole Beasley. And I think it's been that way. I mean, I know it's, it was that way my rookie year. And last year we were on the same page sometimes and sometimes we weren't. But he's a guy that's hard to cover. Now I'm not gonna listen. We saw, and we'll talk about their training. Uh, excuse me, their preseason week one game against the Niners, and we saw some stuff going on there. 
I really like, and I said this, I believe, in week, uh, excuse me, in episode one of uh, of uh, airing it out. Uh, I said I really like Cole Beasley this year. I think he has a fantastic year, just like he did with Dak Prescott in his rookie year. I think he's going to be exactly what he says, his go-to guy, that guy that's going to get. I mean, he his lateral quickness is fantastic, and he can cut and get open at the drop of a dime. Give him five yards, give him ten yards, eight, seven, you know, fifteen yards off of a little slant pattern, a little crossing route. I really think that's going to be the Cowboys' bread and butter. I think that's how Dak um, survives this year. Obviously, on the uh, back of Zeke Elliott, and with regards to these kind of, you know, people still talk about Dinkin and Duncan like it's a bad thing. Brady's made a career of that. A Hall of Fame first ballot MVP a billion times, Super Bowl champion five times, career of that. He also ears it, ears it down the field, you know, of course. But he sets it up with these dinks and dunks. I don't know. By my accord, to my eyes, Brady's the best to ever do it. So you tell me. Who knows? That's that. And then the last bit of, um, last quick hit of the day would be this helmet rule we talked about last week um, after the Hall of Fame game. Oh, geez. It was called 25 times in this preseason week one 25 times and there is so much of an argument and they're gonna have such a mess on their hands this year they really need to fix this as soon as possible don't wait till you know the year starts they need to fix it now you know what this reminds me of you know you see these kids are out at the playground or whatever and their mom or dad says hey uh little johnny your shoe's untied johnny tie your shoe your shoe's untied you're running around, you're going to trip, you're going to fall, tie your shoes, tie your shoes, your shoes untied. And then what does he do? Falls right on his face. How? He tripped over his shoelace. There has to, I mean, think about this. The league needs to take a look. Like, if I can turn on the TV and see former players, former refs, former this, talking about how bad this is going to be, the NFL needs to do something about it. Like, this is what's going to be, if they're already talking about it now for the preseason, right? And if the calls are going to stay the same. And they're talking about it during preseason games. Preseason games. If they, like, Let's think about this. Once that gets into games, that means something. It's going to be all over the news and it's going to look bad. It's going to look bad. And you know what, NFL? The NBA is coming. Okay. Some of these are leagues. They're coming. You are the top dogs right now. But if things are hard to watch, right? I can see fans getting pissed off at this. I really can. Not saying they'll stop watching all completely, but ratings. You're worried about ratings and revenue. Maybe this will have an effect on it. Listen. Listen to the people that are talking. Listen to the people that have played the game. Listen to the people that are currently playing and coaching the game. Do something about the rule before the season starts. Figure it out while this preseason goes on. is going on. I get the idea of keeping people safer. I want that too. Who doesn't? But the way in which this rule is worded is not going to work. And you know what? You guys are going to trip over your shoelaces and it's going to be really bad for the league. So all I'm saying is fix it the best you possibly can before the season starts. And those were your quick hits. After the break, guys. (laughs) After the break, we are going to get right into things today. And the first thing will be our... Whip around preseason uh, week one, look back, and we'll look at the takeaways, kind of fallout and things of that nature from 
week one of the preseason. Again, there was tons that came out, and I'm excited to, uh, to jump right in. All right, take it easy, guys, after this break. All right, guys, welcome back. Let's get right into topic number one today, and that is a look back and a recap of week one of the preseason. We'll talk about some of the biggest takeaways and you know signs of hope, signs of concern, things that happen that uh, are definitely noteworthy and things we should be considering going forward. Now, you guys know me. I'm a Cowboys fan, diehard, have been since birth. Uh, and so, you know what? It's my show, and we're going to start there. Let's go with the Cowboys versus the 49ers last Thursday night. Now, a couple of things that I'm taking away on the 49ers end of the ball. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, he stood in there. He, you know, he took some hits. Um, you know, showed kind of that same moxie he had last year. But speaking of big hits and stuff like that, the Niners suffered a handful of injuries. Um, so something to keep an eye on. You know, they don't seem too too bad. It looks like you know some of these players will be back. But I you know, for instance, uh, their tight end Kittle, who I think could be a nice target for them in the red zone this year. He went down with a shoulder injury and things like that I know Jarek McKinnon. I don't think it was from the game actually, but McKinnon uh, suffered a little something uh, this past week. So some you know some stuff to uh, to take uh, you know keep an eye on if you're a 49ers fan and see kind of you know how that plays out for them. But let's go over to my Cowboys now. Dak looked good. I'm gonna say. I mean, again, it's preseason week one. You don't want to oversell any of this too much, but they you know as an offense. The Cowboys move the ball around quite well, you know, and we expect that now, especially without um, those two kind of big targets and uh, Witten and Bryant gone, that, you know, Dak's going to essentially be forced to move the ball around pretty well. But he did, you know, he got the ball around, moved it to uh, a handful of different receivers. Uh, now, Zeke didn't play, but Rod Smith, his backup, looked pretty solid. Again, he's a big body and he's a bruiser, so it was good to see him, you know, make some runs up the middle. And now Dak did score, throwing a touchdown to Wookiee. Uh, Wookie. And Chewbacca, no, he, he threw a touchdown to rookie wide receiver Michael Gallup, who a lot of people were uh, thinking he, he could be a big part of this offense this year. And, you know, again, preseason week one, but that looks promising. Caught him on a, uh, a route on the sideline, up the right sideline, and, uh, you know, I think, they, I think he caught it a few, few yards away from the end zone, ran it in. Now a lot of people are saying, hey, listen, that defender – the, the DB kind of maybe he lost in the sun and stopped running or whatever happened. There was a little separation, but all I'm going to say is this. Dak threw it where it needed to be. Gallup caught it. Galloped into the end zone. So it was nice to see that. And it should give Cowboys, Cowboys fans some comfort, you know, that they there there could be some success in the passing game after all. I know a lot of the Cowboys fans are worried out there. But I really think that there is some potential there to see, uh, to see what happens. Now, I really am interested in seeing how this tight end Situation for the Cowboys shakes out over the you know course of the uh, preseason. Who kind of wins that starting job? But we'll see. I mean, they they have a bunch of guys that aren't winning, and uh, <laughs> we'll see we'll see how it shakes out. But that's essentially Cowboys 49ers. Those are the big takeaways. Now, Cardinals and Chargers. And I won't hit up every game. I'm just going to go over some of the some of the biggies. We'll talk about a lot of them though. Uh, Cardinals Chargers. The biggest takeaway I'm taking from that is that you know Josh Rosen, who was who was drafted. By the Cardinals, kind of fell into their lap. He wasn't really all that impressive uh, in his first uh, little week here in his debut. Now, for a rookie, he did okay, but you know, 
you could there, there's definitely stuff there he needs to figure out he needs to grow so if, for that reason I'm gonna say it now I think Sam Bradford not even a question is the starter week one and probably for the majority of the season if not all um, he has the talent it's for him it's about staying healthy and with some of the weapons they have there you know the receivers are questionable behind Larry Fitzgerald but with David Johnson I really think that they can do some big things if they figure out kind of who's gonna step in the step up in the uh, pass catching game but Keep an eye on them. We'll see. You know. But yeah, that was my biggest takeaway from that game. Vikings, Broncos. I'll tell you what. Cousins looks good. They paid that money. And at least in a preseason game, he's showing them why they why they paid that much. Uh, he was impressive. Now, he, he threw a touchdown to Diggs. Stephon Diggs looks like they could have a good chemistry this year. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked the way he came out, went through his progressions, and really found the open guy, got down the field, very efficient drive, bada bing, bada boom, you score. Now, we'll see how it how it all works out. You know, Cousins has been known to not be um, the best finisher in, in, in all football, but I, I think that on this team, with the pieces around him on offense, with the uh, defense on the, you know, the other side of the ball, of course, I really think they could be a scary team this year and one that I know a lot of people – are predicting to uh, to make it all the way to the end. We'll see, but I think they're definitely going to be scary. I, I, I they will they will make the playoffs. Not even a question in my mind. And uh, I think they can do some damage when they're in there as, in there as well. And do I think they'll make the Super Bowl? I'm, I'm not telling you yet, but we'll see. I think they're going to be scary. Going to be very scary. Now, as far as the Broncos go, Case Keenum didn't play much, but I think for him, he realized you know, and again facing his former team, he's realizing. He doesn't have the uh, protection up front that he did um, in Minnesota. So I don't think he has a repeat year of last year. And I think that maybe, maybe uh, John Elway takes some heat for this decision to bring him in. But I think with where they were, it was probably the right call to make. Because he does have potential, but I think he's going to need some help protection-wise. They're going to need to get the ball out of his hands pretty quick. But he didn't play much, but he did face quite a bit of uh, pressure. Um... It'll be interesting to see how he fares. But, you know, behind him he might have some help. It looked like rookie running back Royce Freeman looked pretty good. He did. He, uh, he I think he ran in about 20-something yards for a touchdown, 29 yards, something like that, um, which is nice. Good to see. Um, he's someone that you might want to look to in your fantasy drafts, just saying, uh, as a guy you can get kind of middle rounds as a uh, starting running back potentially. I think he will um, – Take string a hold of that job, and uh, you don't have to really worry about Devontae Booker, who really didn't show much last year um, outside of a few plays. But we'll see. Vikings-Broncos, that was an interesting game just based on the uh, former team and all this other stuff. But we'll see. Interesting, interesting, interesting stuff. Now, Jets and Falcons. This one was an interesting one. Now, a couple of things. It's really... Uh, the Jets won 17-0. Falcons didn't do much, but Falcons starters really didn't play... Much at all. I think the Falcons are going to be a good team this year. But Jets, the, it, it's all in the quarterbacks. Now, Sam Darnold, I'm going to say, looks good. And apparently out of the camp, out of camp he's getting a lot of, uh, you know, love from uh, from the coaching staff and so on and so forth. He's And he's starting to run more with the ones. And he's doing this. He's doing that. So that's awesome to see. Um, he's getting a lot of high praise. He looked good in the game. You know, he he wasn't perfect, but he looked good. He looked poised. And he looked like someone that uh, could be a starter week one. I would not be surprised. Now, Teddy Bridgewater also looked pretty darn good. 
I'm going to say they don't have a quarterback controversy, and actually they have the opposite. I think they're going to say, okay, Sam Darnold's our guy. We got him in the draft. We traded up. Got him. Right? So what I think, and what I think they need to do is that there's probably going to be teams out there that are hungry for a veteran. And in his case, he's still young, right? You know that, especially these teams, and for me, it's these teams that like have a quarterback that is probably going to be in retirement soon. Why not have Teddy Bridgewater come in, sit behind that said guy, right, and learn a little bit more, kind of really get healed up, whatever happens, you know, and then maybe in a year or two, he's the starter. He's the heir apparent, right? He showed a great amount of talent before he got hurt for the Vikings, and then the Vikings moved on from him. You know, and he got this He got this deal with the Jets probably as a, um, you know, in case they didn't get the guy they wanted uh, in the draft, but... Regardless, he's there now. So with that said, what are you going to do? What do you do with it, right? So in this regard, here's what I would do. See if you can shop him to some of these teams. The Giants. How long is Eli going to be there? Seriously. Probably not much longer, I would imagine. Maybe a couple years? And with the team they have, they have a good defense. They have great playmakers. They have... Um, a shaky offensive line, but all the more reason to have somebody who's mobile, like Bridgewater. Now, how mobile will he be? Let him heal. We'll see. Right? But he's certainly more mobile than Eli Manning. You got Saquon Barkley. I I think Bridgewater to the Giants, to me, is interesting. And listen, he doesn't have to move. He's playing in the same stadium. So it's nice for him, too. Jets to the Giants. Why not? Okay? Or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben's been hinting at retirement for quite a bit now. So, let's think about this. Send them there. Again, playmakers. Who knows if they're going to have Le'Veon Bell? I think not, but we'll see. There's something to be said. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, they drafted Mason Rudolph, right? And we'll talk about him in a little bit here. <laughs> um, is he the the heir to the throne in Pittsburgh? Maybe. I think the jury's still out. If I'm Tom Lennon or I'm the, the Steelers organization, I like what I've seen in his career so far. Now, again, you want to make sure he's healthy and work him out and do this and see if he can play a full game and this. How you know How's he running? Because you want to take advantage of that mobility too. But he has the tools and he's got a big arm. So something, something to be said. Saints? Could it be the New Orleans Saints? Maybe. I think so. Why not? Dynamic playmakers? Why not? Alvin Kamara, you got Michael Thomas, throw him in the mix. So this I so as far as like teams that have veteran QBs that are like end of their career, I think the Giants, Steelers, and Saints might want to, you know, invest in kind of making them the backup this year. You know? I'll tell you that the Giants need a backup, for sure. He would be an upgrade over everybody. Everybody. So, for me, it makes sense. Not only would it be an upgrade back with quarterback, but like I said, he could be a starter potentially down the road. Now, as far as teams that don't have like, that are kind of like, in my mind, dark horses, but could be. If I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, I know they stuck with uh, Bortles this year. They're not sold on him, but it was just money-wise. It had, you know, almost had to stay that way. Um, They almost had to keep him on. Trade for uh, trade for Bridgewater, maybe. Or, or, or get him next year. I don't know, whatever it is, but he's an upgrade, I think. And then the Patriots. 
Again, I mean, I guess that kind of falls into the uh, aging quarterback, but you know, we'll see. I think those those all are potential great landing spots for him. And if I'm the Jets, I'm doing whatever I can to to um, you know, to send him because it, it seems like you got your guy. You know, and you could probably get a you know, I don't know if you get a first round pick for um. Teddy Bridgewater, I just don't think you get that because of the injury scare. If he wasn't injured and was just he probably wouldn't be in these well, actually he wouldn't be in this situation if he wasn't injured, but um I think in a vacuum you could probably get a first round pick for him. But I think because of the injury nerves, you know, behind uh, all these uh GMs and owners, they're not they're not even you know. A first pick would be quite the risk. So we'll see. We'll see. Um so that was Jets Falcons. Raiders Lions. Not much to really say other than uh, it was cool to see two uh, new head coaches. Well, one's an old new head coach, and John Gruden up against Matt Patricia, the uh, uh, longtime defense coordinator for the Patriots. Um, you know, again, preseason game, nothing too exciting. Uh, but it was cool to see Lynch. He popped off a 60-yard touchdown run. Unfortunately, it was called back on a hold. I love to see him just keep on going, kind of revive his career, look like he did when he was back on the uh, Seahawks. We'll see. I mean, it'd be fun to watch, especially with the other uh, pieces they have on that offense. I think um, I think the Raiders will be much improved this year. All right, uh, next would be the Panthers and the Bills. Now, I'm going to focus mostly on the Bills here. And in, in particular, Josh Allen, who uh, they got in the uh, first round, he looked pretty darn good. And boy, does he have a big arm. <laughs> he, he can throw that ball. He's got some big arm talent. And uh, he's also got a massive frame. He's huge. He's he, he towers over towers over those other players. Now he's definitely rough around the edges. He needs to, you know, he he needs to make some better decisions. He tried to squeeze a lot of balls into really really tight coverage, kind of ill advised throws. Accuracy. He had some long balls, but they, they overthrew a guy, threw one out of bounds that a lot of people are poking fun at. But it was, I mean. Yeah, that that thing's a foot inside, and that or you know maybe a foot or two inside, and that's a that's a home run play, that's a touchdown. But he stood in the face of pressure. He didn't shy away. He, I mean, he was at times scrambling. Now on that one where he kind of slipped, and that was one of those ill-advised throws where he just hucked it up, kind of over his head, trying to throw it away, and was almost intercepted again. Those are those like rookie mistakes that in that moment, that high pressure moment, you're gonna make those mistakes. Um. He's got to iron those out, but I think he's going to be really good. So definitely keep an eye on Josh Allen. I, if I'm the if I'm the Bills, I'm starting him over um, AJ McCarron and uh, Nathan Peterman because you're going to have ups and downs with all of them. So why not get him get him going? And plus, do you, do you really want him learning behind those two veterans? I mean, not not nothing against them. Um, especially AJ McCarron has shown he can do some things, but. And I, I do think it would be nice to, for him to get a chance. So if anything, he maybe he should start and then have Josh Allen come in. But yeah, I, re- I really like uh, I, I like the potential Josh Allen holds uh, going forward. But we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. Um, couple other ones. I'll save kind of my biggest one for last. Uh, Steelers and Eagles. Mason Rudolph wasn't great. Wasn't horrible. Kind of in the middle. We'll see how he pans out. But that's what I'm saying. I think the Steelers might want to look around for a veteran. You know, why not? Because you have talent on the team. Antonio and all these other people. Uh maybe maybe take a take a run at um at Bridgewater, like I said. Uh so nothing too exciting in that game. 
Patriots and Redskins. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but Darius Geis, the, the rookie running back, that a lot of people got him as like a steal, uh, or a lot of people thought it was a steal in the draft. There was there were some character issues, and he fell. Um, but Darius Geis, and we'll talk more about him a little bit later. Why? Because he tore his ACL during the game against the Patriots on a on what was a really nice-looking run. Um, so that was sad to see, but we'll talk more about that with uh, Dr. Ed Strasnick and uh, the Doc is In segment a little bit later. Now, the Ravens-Rams, we saw Ravens, and we talked about them in the Hall of Fame game. Talked about Lamar Jackson. Now, he looked improved from the Hall of Fame game in this game. Um, but on top of that, Flacco, who didn't play, Joe, Joe Flacco who didn't play in the first game, actually looked very strong. Um, I'm assuming that he's got a little fire lit under his butt, and uh, he's ready to he's ready to go. But uh, we'll see, and it looks like he's building quite a chemistry with um, Michael Crabtree and some of their pieces there, so... We'll see. I mean, I, I, I think uh, Flacco takes this job, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're struggling and move to Lamar Jackson. I think their division is going to be a little tougher this year, so who knows? Maybe later in the year Lamar Jackson is starting. But Flacco looked good the other day. Again, week one of the preseason, but, you know, can't put a lot of um, stock in it. But I think he'll definitely start the season, and then um, who knows from there. But he has the potential. I mean, he's, he's a good quarterback. Um, he's had a couple of rough years, but we'll see. Colts and Seahawks, not much to talk about here other than the big news that Luck is back. Andrew Luck looked pretty good. They didn't completely unleash him, but he definitely uh, kind of silenced anybody who might have been thinking there were still some injury concerns with the shoulder. Um, according to, like I said, Ed Strasnick, Dr. Ed from last week, he said that uh, you know with the time that he healed, um, usually that's good enough to kind of get a guy going where he's going to go. Maybe it won't be completely 100% the same, but certainly where he needs to be. Shaquem Griffin, who was the, uh, oh, God, fifth round, was it, draft pick? By the um, Seahawks. One hand, but, man, did he play out, man. Nine tackles, one for a loss. I mean, just fantastic. And he was a lightning bolt all over the field, running from every nook and cranny of that field he was there. Um, And that's what you want. And, uh, I mean, obviously just so inspirational. I've seen some of the... um, Kind of like a little quick documentaries they do. and The guy is just so cool and um, really great story. So if you have a chance, check it out. But, uh, yeah, Shaquem Griffin, I, he, I think he's going to make a lot of teams regret that they passed on him um, in the draft. And he, he was definitely a steal for the Seahawks. And, yeah, they, and his brother's there as well. Um, his twin brother. But, yeah, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how he does this year. I think he's going to have a fantastic year um, for the Seahawks. Now, the the game that was so exciting to watch and was that first real big one of uh, that Thursday night was the the Browns versus the Giants. And let me just tell you this. Let's start with the Browns. I think they're going to be so – I don't want to say so good, but I think their offense is going to really shock a lot of people this year. And it's, no, it's not a complete shock. They are getting a lot of pieces, but they're going to gel, I think. I really think they are. And, um, you know, for, for Coach Hugh Jackson, he needs something to happen. So I really think there's going to be – there's going to be some moves being made by these Browns where they're, they are going to, um, you know, put up some points. Now, as of right now, Tyrod Taylor, now he started the game and looked good. He did nothing wrong. You know, he looked good. But I'm going to tell you, my, Baker Mayfield is fantastic. And again, I'm probably overreacting here. But he just looked poised. And I like his moxie. I like kind of his... The way he the way he talks and stuff, he, he's he's a refreshing player in the league at this point. But he just looked poised and he hit guys. 
went through progressions. I mean, he ran when he had to, but didn't rely on that. He stepped up into the pocket and didn't panic and delivered just rockets. I mean, he's got a strong arm. He was delivering rockets to guys. It was so awesome to see. So awesome. I I think sooner than rather than later, he is a starter here with the Browns. But, you know, maybe they don't want to rush it. I know, you know, you got the guy who's done it in, in, in Tyrod. And, again, I think he'll, he can do well in this offense as well. But Mayfield, I, a lot of people were critical of that pick that they didn't go Sam Darnold. Oof. They may they may be getting the last laugh. I really really like Mayfield. Uh, someone else I thought was uh, good to take note of was uh, Njoku, their tight end, caught two touchdowns. That's fantastic, fantasy players out there. Uh, so good good to good to see. Um, Landry, he seemed like the preferred target, the guy that they wanted to get the ball to move the chains, which you know was the case when he was down in um, Miami. But you know it, it's good to see him kind of gelling with those quarterbacks as well. Uh, now, over to the Giants' side. Saquon Barkley. Big run. Almost 40 yards, right? A little under. 39? Big run. Didn't do much after that. So, I think he had four carries for like 43 yards or something like that. But, um, didn't do, you know, didn't do much after that. But, again, you're not going to play him that much. But, what a run. I mean, it was it was fantastic. He he was patient. It reminded me kind of of uh, Le'Veon Bell, who's very good at, like, waiting for a hold of and being patient and seeing the field. And seeing the hole and getting to it, and that's exactly what he did. And the, you know the blocking set up for him, and he he uh, he beat some guys on the outside, and and there he went. Um, so an interesting piece. Now there are reports this morning that during today's practice he uh, got an injury. Um, now there's not much to be said about it. It looked like it was some something with the leg, and he had a, a wrap on his leg. But they're not really talking much about. It, but they say it's it seems it doesn't look too serious. But again, not all the information is out on that yet. So that's kind of scary um, if you're the Giants. Took him second overall in the draft. You you definitely want him. I think that he will – they'll go as he goes this year. Um, you know, think about the way that offense performed last year and the lack of a strong line. Now I think the – as we talked about, the addition of Nate Solder and – all that on the line should help a bit, but I think that he is going to be a huge. If they're going to be successful this year, and they do have you know great offensive talent, and they got um you know a very strong defense, if they're going to be successful this year, I think they're going to have to rely on that run quite a bit to set up that pass, um because the blitzes aren't gonna you know if they start coming that that line is still not anywhere close to perfect. So we'll see. But yeah, Browns Giants game was fantastic, and the Browns won. Hey, listen, they got to win. That's something. Doesn't count for the regular season, but whatever. 20 to 10, Browns, why not? Guys, that's our whip around. Now, I didn't touch every game, but I basically did. I think I only skipped a few, but there wasn't much news to come out of those, so I don't want to waste anyone's time. Now, those are the big kind of stories out of preseason week one. We'll see how things develop going into week two of the preseason, but certainly um, going to be an exciting year. I mean, a lot of stories coming out, and just seeing how these rookies are performing, but I'm going to say it one more time. Mayfield, watch them. Guys, after this break, we're going to get into our second um, segment of the of the day here. Second topic segment of the day. And that is actually our interview with Dr. Ed Strasnick, doctor of physical therapy. And he's going to be addressing some of these pretty big injuries that happened to some pretty big name running backs. Um, and young, young guys as well. 
So we're going to get right into that after this break. Please join us back. See you in a bit. All right. So on the line, we have Dr. Ed Strasnick, Dr. Physical Therapy, joining us again for the second week straight. Ed, how you doing, my man? Hey, Joe. I'm doing pretty good tonight. You? Excellent. Not too bad. A lot of news this week. So for anyone who's new to the show, Ed's going to be here. Dr. Strasnick's going to be here on a, you know, maybe weekly basis. We'll see how the injuries go this year. But throughout the season, he'll be discussing any key injuries, kind of the fallout and what's to be expected as far as recoveries and all that fun stuff. So, Ed, without further ado, we had a lot of news in this regard. Season week one. Uh, let's get let's get right into it. Shoot. Awesome. Awesome. Right. So some heartbreaking news out of the matchup uh, with the Redskins and the Patriots. Uh, this guy suffered a torn ACL. He's going to miss the entire 2018 season. And uh, a lot of people are upset about that, especially Redskins fans, as uh, he was a pretty nice steal in the draft. Now, I got a couple questions with regards to this. So after the game, the injury didn't seem to be too seriously. He, he was laughing. He was kind of, you know, didn't seem like he was too, too concerned. And initially it was, it was diagnosed as a sprained MCL, but later tests, they, you know, they revealed that it was a torn ACL. So in your experience, is this sort of a misdiagnosis like common? And, and why, why would that be? You know, Joe, I, I really feel bad for the kid. I've been following him since he was uh, actually a backup behind Leonard Fournette at LSU. So it's really oh, wow. sad when you see a guy like this get injured. But, you know, it's really – it's not completely uncommon. You know, when the injury occurs, a lot of, a lot of times these players are in a little bit of pain. Um, they, they can guard up. Uh, they, they make the on-field diagnostics a little bit challenging sometimes for the athletic trainer or the, the team's sports doc that's running out onto the field. So it's not unusual to have a misdiagnosis. And a lot of times um, they might know or think that it's an ACL, but it just might – see how they report it because they have to put something in the injury report uh so really not as big of a um like a huge miss by the doctors you would think yeah i don't think it's a huge miss you know a lot of times it's it's you know if they if you look at the mri um, order it probably said rule out acl tear um, because i'm sure there's a slight suspicion right you know it's it's my other question is this like we were talking about last week with this idea of the torn acl it's a pretty big injury seems like it's popping up we were talking about Dalvin Cook and uh, uh, Carson Wentz and stuff last week um, so with that said like is there any you know ways that you can try to prevent these injuries from happening I know he said that he had planted his foot weird and then his knee kind of like hyperextended a bit on that play when when uh, guys kind of get you know uh-huh. got the injury are there ways that you guys can move like the athletes can move or you would suggest that they do their you know do their thing on the field that would help to prevent these injuries make them less common you know, Joe, there, you know, it, it's it's something that it's not necessarily something that the game has to change. It's a violent game. Um, and, and the thing is, most of these injuries occur in non-contact situations. So, right. uh, you know, reacting to the play, changing direction, um, that's when most of these injuries occur. So, you know, in terms of the game of football, there's not much to change for these type of injuries. You know, concussion, that's a completely different story um, for, for another day. But in terms of these ligamentous injuries, soft tissue injuries, you know, it really comes down to what the athletes doing in the off season. If, if they're preparing, if they're not just doing, you know, your static, you know, power cleans, uh, 
you know, explosive lifts, but not necessarily getting them ready for football because, you know, football shapes a completely different animal than just doing what, you know, working out in the gym. So, you know, really there's no way to predict it. Um, You know, a lot of these guys are strong. You know, a lot of these guys that are getting injured are far more, you know, strong, have great proprioception, good balance, and it's just the luck of the draw sometimes. One of the scary things they got to deal with because within a flash of an instance, career could be on a completely different trajectory. Yeah, the fortunate thing Especially for a young guy. A guy should have surgery sometime early September, um, maybe end of August, I'd assume. Usually they want to wait till the swelling goes down if there is some swelling. Um, And and he should be fine for the beginning of training camp next year, maybe even the OTAs in in the earlier uh, part of the summer. Well, that's good good news, and I'm sure uh, Redskins fans will be looking closely at that. Now, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Another, Actually, another rookie running back that's dealing with injuries. Uh, the Patriots' new running back out of the University of Georgia, Sony Michelle. Now, he's currently missing time after leaving practice with a knee injury. Uh, I think it was like you know, several days ago, less than a week, or about a week. Uh, he ended up going through a procedure on his knee in which he was draining fluid from that area. Now, it was, it was then reported that it was more of like a cleanup because it was also like handling some other issues, some other pre-existing issues. Does this concern you? What you know? Comment on this. What, what what's being what's what's the deal there? Uh, you know, his his ability to get back onto the field, I'm not too concerned with. It's more so he had the ACL injury back in high school. Um, I believe it was high school. Um, maybe oh, wow. maybe when he was in co- early early in college, but you know, three or four years ago. So you know, anytime you have a, a procedure like an ACL reconstruction, um, the knee has a higher likelihood of having arthritic changes. Now, when that happens. Um, you're more prone to obviously have these flare-ups of fluid and um, especially playing football where it's such a dynamic, violent sport. Um, in terms of this year, you know, the first few years of his career, I don't foresee it being too much of an issue. Um, and if he maybe aggravated his knee as meniscus or something that caused an increase in the swelling in his knee and they're just draining fluid, that's typically shouldn't be a big deal for him. Um, but going forward, you know, guys that have these on and on and off again knee injuries tend to be problematic and you know he's not an overly imposing uh player so you know he's a guy that relies on speed so we'll see how it affects his speed you know he shouldn't miss he should be back by the beginning of the regular season but you'd like to see how he looks in pre you know at least one or two two games of preseason to see how he's gonna how he's gonna go yeah and it's uh it was reported too that the patriots actually weren't really concerned with his injury history. So especially, like you said, with the way he runs and stuff. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a burst. He's a high burst speed type of back who just hits yeah. holes. And he's a home run hitter. And uh, a guy like that, you know, I'm not too concerned with him. But in terms of his durability going on in his career, we'll, we'll, wait, wait, we'll wait and find out. We all know anyone who plays fantasy you know the Patriots have about eight, 18,000 running backs they roll out every year. So yeah, yeah. if it's not him, I'm sure. <laughs> Somebody else will find the role. Exactly. All right. Next going on, we have another young running back. It seems to be all these running backs, man. Um, you know, they're certainly feeling it in the preseason. Marlon Mack, this is a guy that everyone thought, you know, he was going to benefit from Gore's departure uh, as far as being in the Colts' backfield, kind of taking the weight, um, especially with um, Andrew Luck coming back from injury. So he's hit a, a bump in the road. Uh, in the game against Seahawks last week, he had um, he suffered an injury in the MRI exam. Led, is leading the Colts to believe it's a strained hamstring. How did this happen? Like, how does this sort of thing happen? What do you think, uh, you know, this means for him starting the season this year? Well, Joe, you know, anytime you get a hamstring injury, it's a, it's a, 
you know, it's a, it's an alarm. It's a red flag for anybody around the organization. Um, you know, the fact that they think they'll be back on the field within two weeks means it was probably a, a grade one sprain, uh, so, or strain grade one strain. So he should be okay. Um, we'll, we'll see though. It's a very ballistic muscle. You know, there's a lot of movement in the hamstring and anytime he's running, he's going to be putting a lot of strain on that hamstring. So we'll see, you know, we've seen a lot of athletes be plagued by hamstring injuries, especially, you know, runners. And, um, you know, he's coming off a shoulder surgery in the off season too. So he's not, he hasn't necessarily had a very healthy off season, especially when this kind of was his chance, um, you know, to, to take control of that backfield, you know, they have Robert, Tur- uh, Robert Turbin, uh, Christine, Michael, uh, Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. But I mean, those guys were all going to be playing second fiddle to him. So, you know, I'm sure the Colts would like to get him back in the mix. But, you know, that's something where you really don't want to rush him because, you know, if you kind of become one of those chronic hamstring strain uh, type of guys, um, it, it can become problematic if, if, if you try to rush back too early. Definitely. And uh, on that same idea of being problematic and certainly getting a lot of people worried, I know me and you were talking a little bit about this earlier today, but uh, report sprang up at a Giants training camp saying that uh, Saquon Barkley was dealing with those. Things. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I got to imagine all the Giants fans, their hearts dropped today when they saw that, especially after that nice run he had on his first carry of his preseason career. Not that it's his actual career, but his preseason career breaking open a 40-yard run. He showed that explosiveness. And, you know, that's one of the things where people get worried with hamstrings because, you know, it really can affect your explosiveness because you can't hit that top gear if your hamstring's not functioning. So, um, you know, they say it's going to be a day-to-day type thing. I'm not too worried about it. Um, we'll see if it becomes an issue going forward. Then, you know, Giants have room, Giants fans have reason to panic. But, you know, I'm sure everybody in the front office, the coaches, the players, when, you know, it's just a little tight tweak, uh, he, he should be okay. Awesome. Yeah, a little bit later in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about uh, the Giants' actual decision to take him. A lot of people are very high on it, especially after that first run. But uh, stuff like this, this that has me kind of second-guessing that uh, that choice. Again, great player. But... I'll tell you what, I, I am completely against take, taking Saquon Barkley there as a Giant. Well, listen to the rest of the show, and I think you'll, uh, you'll be pleased, sir. Listen, it was great to talk to you again, Ed. Um, you know, hopefully again, hopefully it's not too many things we're talking about each week, but you know, love having you on and you'll certainly be, uh, you know, be with us in the future. Thank you very much, my man. All right, Joe. Thanks for having me. Hey, take it easy. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, welcome back. This is the third topic of the day. Today is what I'm calling a giant mistake. Now, why am I calling it that? Well, I'm going to make the argument that it's probably going to be an unpopular one, that the Giants made a huge mistake by passing on drafting somebody else that wasn't a running back. Um, and I'll talk about what I mean by that. And going with Saquon Barkley at the number two pick overall this year. I just think, listen, I'm not going to argue with you that Saquon Barkley is probably one of the better running backs to come out in recent years. Um, many are even saying that he might be better than Zeke is right now. Who knows? But for the situation the Giants are in, I'm going to make the un- what I assume would be the unpopular stance, the unpopular argument, that the Giants made a huge error in going after him in the draft instead of 
shoring up another part of their team. Now, think about the Giants, all right? And think about the the NFL right now. It's a pass-heavy league. That's the way it's moving. Points on the board, moving the ball down the field, so on and so forth. Even the run is – people talk about having a strong running game to set up the pass, right? Here's the thing. Look at the Giants in recent history. Their offense has underachieved substantially. They've had great pieces. I mean, you, know, you got Odell. You got this. You got a two-time Super Bowl winner in Eli Manning. But what they don't have is a good offensive line. Now they made some moves. They got Nate Solder from the Patriots. He's a big boy. He's gonna he's gonna help them out. Sure up the left side at least, um, and should be a good uh, good leader for that group offensive line. But they still have trouble. They still Eric Flowers hasn't been kind of going uh, going as they wanted him to. He's been not performing the way they they thought he would on the right side there. So they could have drafted someone at number two that was an offensive lineman to sure up that. Give Eli more time to throw to make uh, to Odell and um, what's his name Shepard and and Ingram get these guys you know the ability to get in space go bada bing bada boom. But that's not what they decided to do. Instead, they decided to go with a running back. Now, also think about this: Eli Manning, two-time Super Bowl winner, of course, got to give it to him. He's not going to be around forever at all. He's not going to be around forever. He's going to retire pretty soon. Who's the heir apparent to him? Webb. He looked horrible the other day. He looked really bad. I don't think it's him. Well, maybe they go get Teddy Bridgewater or something like that, like I said earlier. But why not? I mean, you're missing out on Sam Darnold. A lot of people thought he would be a great fit there. What about Baker Mayfield? If he ends up being as good as I think he's going to be, plus he has that kind of swag about him that, like, you know, he's he, he, he is New York to a T. If he doesn't encapsulate the New York attitude, I don't know who does. But you pass on two guys that, you know, think about it. The quarterback is is the centerpiece of any NFL franchise. In many cases, they go as the quarterback goes. So when you're passing on some big-name talent in a draft that had some pretty good quarterbacks at the top, right, and, and what you're doing is taking the running back. Now, he will help them. So if he if that offensive line doesn't completely crumble, he'll he'll make some big plays. He'll be involved in the passing game. He's a great pass protector. He'll be in. You know, he'll he'll be that kind of like other lineman, so to speak, pick up blitzes and stuff like that. But not for nothing. Running backs in the NFL now their their shelf life is so short. Right by thirty, they say, "Oh, over the hill, not going to do it anymore." You know, and you got the rare Frank Gore's and stuff like that that are able to do it at a relatively high level for a long time. But based on just injuries, the poundings they take in between the tackles and all this stuff, the life of these guys in the NFL as a as a pro is short. Right. So, nothing about this. Let's say Eli were to retire this year. Just a hypothetical. Eli retires now. You, you, Great. You have a great running back. You have an offensive uh, line. And then you got some playmakers on the outside. And then you bring in a quarterback who's not going to be any good. What's that going to do? They're going to put 8, 9, 10, 11. <laughs> they're going to put everybody in the box. Obviously not. But like they're going to they're gonna load the box up. Ain't in the box. Figure it out, Saquon. For what? A lot of these running backs get taken in the third, fourth, fifth round. They pop. Seriously. 
So yeah, I mean, great. This guy's going to be great for them for a handful of years, and then who knows? I, I'm not wishing him to get hurt. I hope he has a long career. He could be Hall of Fame worthy even, just based on what we've seen in college and and that sort of, like just kind of his skill set, if it translates and keeps going, he could be one of the greats. But the the history on it is tough. Injuries, things like that. I mean, this guy, he, you know, this morning, I just uh, said it earlier. It was reported that he was hurt today in practice. Lower leg injury. Something like that. Leg injury, lower body injury, whatever it was. Had his leg wrapped up. It's got to be cause for concern. Second pick. When a quarterback, that could be 10 years with with a franchise. I mean, Eli's been there forever. Forever. Right? Over a decade. Won two Super Bowls with him. It's, uh, I, I just thought it was... I thought it was a an interesting pick. It made me nervous as a Cowboys fan. No, he's going to be in my division. I'm going to have to play him twice a year. He's a great player. Do not get me wrong, but I just don't think that was the right move. Get an offensive lineman or get the guy that's going to be behind Eli for a year or two before he retires. My my next point. Look at the last few, we'll call it five Super Bowls. And tell me what their running back situation. The Super Bowl, we'll look at the Super Bowl winners. All right? Tell me what their running back situation was. The Eagles this past year. All right. First Super Bowl ever. Congratulations. LeGarrette Blunt. Right? LeGarrette Blunt. You had um oh God. Oh God. What's the Oh Jay Ajayi, there you go. Corey Clement. Um committee anybody? And boy, if you had any of them in uh, fantasy, it was frustrating. You didn't know who to pick each week. But they used a committee approach. Why? Because of the injury risks. Because people are getting beat up in the tackles. You know, running between the tackles. Committee approach. Let's go to the Super Bowl before that. Patriots and Falcons, right? Hey, the Falcons had the one-two punch. They were the winners, but they had the one-two punch, right? Tevin Coleman backing up... um, Devontae Freeman, right? Hmm. Interesting. But look at the Patriots. They have the ultimate committee approach. And again, if you own any of them in fantasy, you know that better than anybody. You don't know who to pick each week. James White. Actually, LeGarrette Blount was it. Maybe the answer is to have LeGarrette Blount on your team. <laughs> but, um, yeah, complete committee. The year before that, Broncos, Super Bowl winners. Who do they have? C.J. Anderson. Does he excite you? Doesn't excite me, I'll tell you that much. Doesn't even excite the uh, Broncos that much. Now he's on the uh, Panthers. In another committee with... um, God, I'm forgetting everyone's name today. Christian McCaffrey, there we go. (laughs) Got this list of running backs from the last Super Bowl, and I'm just looking at that, looking at some, you know, thinking of other people. Here we go. C.J. Anderson and uh, Ronnie Hillman. Kind of a committee, more C.J. Anderson heavy. But, uh, yeah, doesn't excite you? No. No, you know... Crazy, amazing talent there. No Saquon Barkley, of course. Okay. Year before that, Patriots and the Seahawks. Yeah, again, you had Blunt, Vereen, and so on and so forth. You had a committee. Right? The last bell cow you would have to be the year before that. The Seahawks had Lynch. Right? And you know. Yeah, people spell him every once in a while, but Seahawks, you know, the Seahawks had Lynch, and he, yeah, he's a he's a bit of a beast, a bit of a phenom. 
right? And they didn't even run him at the goal line. Instead, uh, actually, we know that was excuse me, that was the Patriots Super Bowl. That's why the Patriots won that Super Bowl, and that's why I'm talking about the Patriots. But yeah, the Seahawks had Lynch the year before that, and their defense just overwhelmed the Broncos that day. But regardless, that was, you have to go back a handful of years. Lynch, he was a bit of a workhorse, up in age, but again, uh, just an absolute phenom. Everyone's taking that, or, you know, not everybody. Most teams are taking this committee approach. And when you see these these teams that are successful, are either doing committee, and they don't really have these big flashy guys. Now, not to say you can't win with them. Of course you can with, win with them. But should you take them at the second overall pick when that pick is such a hot commodity for an offensive lineman that could be on your team for the next 8, 9, 10, ten years, especially when you need one for the Giants? For a quarterback who's going to be the guy who replaces the guy who won you two Super Bowls in Eli Manning. I it really like, you know, I think he's going to be great this year. I think he's going to have an excellent year, is Saquon Barkley. But I think looking forward, fast forward five years, I don't know. I think he'll still be in the league. I'm hoping he doesn't get injured because, you, you know, you never want to wish that upon anyone. I hope he has a great career. But that's a scary thought. It really is to think that, you know, they may have made quite a big blunder. A giant mistake, as I'm calling it. But it remains to be seen. I will say this, if you're, you know, if you're in a fantasy draft coming up, I like him. I do. I think they're going to rely on him heavily. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how it works out for him. But that's it. That that about wraps up topic number three. We'll see. I don't know. Barkley, we'll see. Hopefully he uh, doesn't do too well against my Cowboys, but we'll see. I'm a little nervous about that. Maybe that's maybe I'm just lashing out because I'm nervous. We'll see. Keep on saying we'll see because we will. Anyways, I'm going to go, <laughs> and we're going to move on here, guys. We're going to start to wrap up the show, but, oh, before we do, before we wrap up, we had a mail question, mailbag question, right, mail time. It was a fantasy question, so I brought up fantasy a couple times, and we'll get to it right now. Not after a break. We'll get to it right now. We'll talk about this question. This is from, let's see, R. Kylie. Sounds like a good dude. Uh, on Instagram, he qu- questions. It was a fantasy-based question. He says this. Very simply put, Bell or Gurley? Question mark. I like I like the question. Nice and simple to the point. Here it is. I'm going to say Bell. I don't think you can go wrong either way. But if you listen a few weeks back, it talked about... Um, you know, who would be a first two, the first two picks in a draft for me. And I said, Bell and Zeke, Todd Gurley's right there as well. I think they're going to use them heavily again, but there are a lot of mouths to feed in that Rams offense for Gurley. I mean, but Bell, it's just the perfect situation for him to do well. Why? Again, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, but I'll re I'll touch on it again. Just to answer his question. Bell won his situation for himself to, play to the best of his ability to get the most money they possibly can in free agency next year is important for him. Obviously that's going to be a driving motivator for him. So to play the best that he can, obviously try to avoid injury, but play the best he can is perfect. And then last but not, and then secondly, I should say um, the Steelers, it makes the most sense for them that if they think bell's not going to be on the team, that they make the final push with him that they possibly can and really use him in any way, passing game, running game, of course, um, and really just grind and grind and grind and see what they can do. I think it makes sense to them. If they know they're not going to have them this year, let's maximize our efforts, even if it means pushing them 
even further than we would had we known that he was going to be with us next year. And he may be, but my I strongly feel he will be elsewhere to go seek more money. So for me, it is Le'Veon Bell just because of the situation, obviously in the talent, and that should go without saying, but the situation is so perfect. It's a perfect storm for him to do well. I think Todd Gurley will have a great year. I think he'll definitely be certainly a top 10 back, but even, I would say I would say a top five back as well. Um, I just, with so much going on, so many pieces being added to that offense, and you know, th- there's just a lot to look at there, and I think the passing game is just going to get better there. Now, he was involved in the passing game. Again, it's hard for me to say he won't do well. I don't think that. I think he will do extremely well, but for me, if I had that pick, um, between if I had to choose between Bell and <clears throat> excuse me, if, uh, Bell and Gurley, I'm going Bell just because it's so perfect of a situation. And I hope that answers your question, R. Kylie. I am excited for fantasy, um, as I know everyone else is. I'm excited for the season to start, as you guys know. But uh, it's been fun, and we shall see. But we're gonna after this start to wrap things up. Let's let's go. Thank you guys again for listening to another episode of Airing It Out with Joe Daly. Listen, the preseason's here. Games are here. And it's so much more exciting because now we actually get to see what's happening on the field. And, uh, you know, it's not just a bunch of hearsay from practice reports and all that. We're actually getting to see some product on the field, which, again, makes me more excited for the season, makes me more excited for uh, being able to come here and talk to you guys about it, see what we can come up with. I love interacting with you guys on social media. So if you don't already, follow me on Instagram or follow the show, I should say, on Instagram. And that is at airing it out underscore podcast at airing it out underscore podcast. Listen, as we go forward, we'll be doing more training camp check-ins. Stories coming out of each camp, right? We'll be doing preseason game um, fallout and stuff like that as uh, stories, big stories come out. Uh, we'll be doing my predictions for the NFL season. We're going to do my Super Bowl picks pretty soon. Fancy draft device ahead of the season, right? We're going to have someone from the industry on the podcast pretty soon. Really excited about that. Interview, interviews. We're going to do as many as we possibly can. And we're uh, in the, those are in the works as we go forward. And there's just so much more coming down the line. Listen, this has been so much fun. So, Keep it up. Uh, if you don't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever you know outlet, whatever platform you listen to it on. And if you could, it would be so helpful. I'd be very appreciative if you could leave me a rating and review, um, like a written review up on the, uh, you know, again, whatever platform you listen to. Um, listen, hey, this has been Airing It Out with Joe Daly. I'm Joe Daly. I may be wrong, but I doubt it. Have a good one, guys. Take care.